Mimo, quick, say something to make the ending of this podcast happy. <laughs> um... Hey guys, welcome back to Merlisten, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Merlin, where we discuss the show, the ships, the fandom, and the characters. I'm Miss Snowfox. And I'm Momotastic. And uh, this is a bonus special episode that uh, we didn't originally plan to have, but we are now having in the interim between our bi-weekly schedule because uh, we have a Q&A to share with you that we did not have time for last week because we felt the episode would have gone on a little bit too long. Yeah, exactly. But before we get into any of that, we'll have some news. It looks like the kink meme could use some prompts, so go on and head over to Kings of Camelot on LiveJournal and start prompting. Claiming at the Merlin RPF Prompt Fest 2019 is now open. Check out Merlin RPF on LiveJournal for all the prompts and how to participate in this year's fest. Merlin Holidays has completed posting. You can find all the works that were submitted for this round in their AO3 collection. The only thing missing now are the reveals who wrote what. This should happen on the 31st of January, so keep your eyes peeled on their Tumblr or LiveJournal. And that has been it for news. Alright, since we're having two episodes for our fandom recap slash Q&A session episode, we figured why not treat ourselves to a couple more talkbacks, and these will be the last couple of talkbacks we do of uh, comments we received on websites, not our website, <laughs> basically. So these will be the last couple of reactions to your Tumblr tags, posts, to Discord reactions. So let's start with our first comment, which was by Lau, left on Tumblr on our episode review of The Labyrinth of Gedref. And Lau wrote in her tags, I finally had the time to start with Merlissen. I'm so sorry it took me so long, but I never listened to podcasts before. It's totally new for me, and I have to say, I fucking love it. She actually caps lock that part. <laughs> Melissa is so much fun. Momo and Rox are fun. Thank you. I thought I couldn't love Merlin BBC even more than I already do, but after listening to two episode-related podcasts, I swear I do. Thank you, Melissa. You just won another fan. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you, Lau. This is so great to hear. Virginity is a social construct and total bullshit, but... You gave us your podcast virginity. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. We'll do our best to continue being fun and awesome. We promise. Yeah. We have we have Lau to thank for a lot of free promotion. So. Yeah, definitely. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. We, we have another comment by Lau, also on Tumblr, but this time on our shipping episode on Arwen. And Lau said in this post, Dear Merlissen, thank you for doing podcasts about all the ships of my beloved BBC Merlin. It's absolutely fascinating to hear how other people interpret scenes I always only interpreted this way. It's like we watch two different shows. So keep up the great work, and now, if you excuse me, I need some Mirtha fan videos intravenous now. 
And then in their tags, uh, Lao said, I really need this. After two podcasts about a ship that isn't Martha, I'm a mess. Go check it out, guys. I never realized how different we could see a show. Shipping is science. Yeah, basically. And I completely relate. I also needed to watch a lot of Martha fan videos after I recorded. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I find this whole part about watching two different shows, like, I feel that, honestly. Because I keep saying that I know how shipping works, and I do, which is why I sort of can see where other shippers are coming from. But most of us still prefer one ship over the other, so we ignore all the rest. And then it's really interesting to see how people interpret this. And me now sort of drifting into other ships in this fandom, drifting away a little bit from Merther. Like, I'm not, not shipping it, but I'm also starting to ship other ships more now. And now I start seeing, like, these, like, Merther scenes or just interactions between Merlin and Arthur. I start seeing them less shippy. Like, I'm seeing them more as gen interaction as friendship interactions on top of remembering how it was when i saw them as shippy interactions so this is a, a sort of weird frame of mind i'm in when i'm watching the show now but yeah it's really interesting just to to talk to other shippers and uh just talk about how they see the show and how we see the show and just find out all these little these little differences and maybe also gain more appreciation or insight into other people's shipping habits and preferences. It's really interesting. Yeah, but I think that most people like understand where other ships come from. They just don't ship the thing. <laughs> like, you know, like I can I can see where other ships are coming from. I will say there are some ships I will never understand where someone is coming from because one is a bully and the other is a victim. <laughs> but um, apart from that, I like, yeah, like completely. I think that anyone who has the vaguest sense of an understanding of what empathy means uh, can relate like, but yeah, they just won't see it with the same lens, which, which is, uh, which is obviously all part of the fun. Yeah. But yeah, there is definitely, I think, uh, yeah, because like, for example, um, and this might not make it into the episode, but just from my experience in the Glee fandom, I shipped a cannon ship, which was a very popular ship in the fandom. But by comparison, shipping Merthyr in Merlin, which is the biggest ship in the fandom, is technically, you know, not canon. Also, uh, there was a very, very big Fanon ship that was kind of on a similar level Mirtha where everyone was kind of like a lot of people were shipping it there was a lot of fic about it and even the actors kind of knew about it and like knew the ship name and it was Rachel and Quinn and interestingly enough even though yeah like I get how shipping works TM um, I kind of would watch their scenes together and it wasn't until I was really aware of the shipping that I was like oh like that's quite like a shippy scene but yeah it was just I was just kind of like nah I'm just not like I'm not watching this thinking about that I'm watching it thinking like oh yeah these two are in a scene together and yeah so it's really interesting like had I shipped it it would have been 
completely it would have been all about that and there's like a bunch of edits about like oh if glee was about rachel and quinn not about rachel and finn and stuff like that so yeah i think it's i think it's interesting to compare fandom experiences where you ship a big ship that's fanon and then a big ship that's actually canon and the uh, and the comparisons between the two because um, i know uh, there was one particular arwen shipper that was on tumblr at the time i don't think they're online anymore um where they were getting like incredibly uh not like vicious towards fans but they were using quite like vicious language like on their blog which of course they're allowed to but they were like never again will i watch a show with a with a majority slash fan pairing because basically all the real life ships get pushed under the rug and i'm disgusted by this how can you even allow it that a married couple don't share one kiss in an entire season and she doesn't even and barely share any screen time in the finale and I completely like kind of understood sort of where they were coming from but on the other hand I was also like the thing is is that this show isn't actually about Arthur and Gwen's relationship and that's what you also kind of have to remember like regardless of whether or not you care about Martha as a ship they are what the show is about like them at like working together and being a team like that is the show Merlin and it's not about Arwen so it's not it doesn't make sense to all of a sudden make the finale of the show about like Gwen's loss because Gwen isn't the main character does that make sense like yeah then we have a comment from Marky aka Über dem Nebelmeer who uh, commented on our Merwain episode on discord and Marquis said, There's no doubt they're shipping material, and in theory, I ship them too. It's such a healthy relationship, if you exclude the dismissive tone with which Merlin tends to treat Gwen in the last seasons. Why? Shrug emoji. I said in theory, because, you know, Martha. To me, it's the OTPTM, and I really can't picture Merwain as Endgame or anything but unrequited love from Gwen's part. So I think that's pretty much how you feel about it too, Rox, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like, but this is the thing. For me, it's like Moane as a ship is perfect in my eyes from that point of view. It's the fluffy, like, non-destiny, non-tragic, non- I'm going to do anything for you, go to the ends of the world for you, ship. It's exactly what it needs to be. Like, it's the nice one. And it's the one that, without Mirtha, would be amazing. But it's that kind of thing of, like, when you have something else to compare it to, in my eyes, that is better. Like, you'll always like it and love it and, like, for what it is. But it will never be, like uh, like Marky said, the end game. Because Mirtha. <laughs> so, yeah. I used to be in that same boat, but... Now, I'm sort of, <laughs> pun intended, jumping ship. Um, that's that's normal for me. Like, I tend to stop being a strict mono shipper with just one exclusive OTP once I've been in a fandom long enough. And I've reached this point in Merlin now where I've been in this fandom so long that I've sort of explored all the Merther options. Like, I've read so many AUs. I've written so many AUs. I've role-played many AUs uh, with my best friend, and now I'm just at the point where I'm like, okay, now I want to explore this, like, all the same things that I just did with Mirtha, like, all the AUs, all the tropes, I've explored them ad nauseum with Mirtha now. I want to do this with another pairing now in the same fandom, just how, to, just to see how it works for a different pairing, and my pairing of choice is 
maybe going to be Merwain. Like, so, you know. I mean, it's definitely not a bad way to go. <laughs> no, for sure not. But, yeah, but. But I think that that's like, and I mean, I don't know about you, but like the way that I kind of ship is that I usually, yeah, like I'll have OTPs, which then usually will match up accordingly and won't cross over like with the same character because then it makes my feelings a bit confused. (laughs) Um, But then like I'll have other ships that I actively ship, but clearly if there's going to be one end game, they can't all be the end game because that's not possible. No, it is possible because poorly shipping. No, no, I mean, but like, they can't all be endgame in their couples, is what I'm saying. Like, they, so I would, and that's where I tend to, like, you know, I say, well, I don't have to choose because I like the idea of all three of them being in a relationship and then everything is beautiful. (laughs) And then you're like, that's not, you can't cheat like that, Rox. And I'm like, but it's so much better. I mean, actually, you can cheat like that. It's just that. If Arthur, like, died and Gwen lived, I would have totally like you would cry for days is what you would be doing no i would be very like i would i I would feel as though like i would be perfectly happy and like very very happy with merlin like if he ended up with Gwen after arthur had died if if he was alive because i think that he would be the best person like for merlin to be with after that loss but i just can't live in a universe in which merlin would ever choose Gwen over arthur while arthur was still there that's that's my that's my problem. <laughs> I mean, that's that's valid. You know, you're you're allowed to ship and feel however you like about them. Um, Marky also mentions, don't know if you've ever heard of this reincarnation AU, but I love how it explores Merlin's feelings towards the knights and Arthur and vice versa. It's still a WAP, but I would hundred one hundred percent recommend. And I want to say I'm looking forward to hearing more about this when you're going to be on the show to talk about Arthur Returns fake very soon. So there you go. <laughs> which actually, when this airs, we should be recording right now. <laughs> so okay, Marky also says, also thank you for making me unlearn character traits I used to hold as facts because of fan work before listening to the episode. You're welcome. And like. Most people don't rewatch the show as often. Like, I don't rewatch the show as often. I've seen it once when I first watched it as it aired. And then I rewatched it once after I got back into the fandom. And now I'm slowly rewatching it uh, again for episode reviews. I just, I might pick out certain episodes here and then occasionally. But like, the, the show in its entirety, I don't rewatch it. Like every year, like for example, Brolin's Keep does, <laughs> or other people do. Um, but that's how we end up trusting that people who write fic, etc., characterize the protagonists correctly. Except, well, we don't. <laughs> because someone will start a characterization, like we'll go off characterization, or we'll pick out a character trait that isn't even dominant or even there all that often, or that is picked up from an actor. And we'll just run with it and fandom will latch onto it because it's such a nice character trait and then we'll just we'll just stick to it. And yeah, if you actually go back and watch the show, you realize this character actually doesn't behave that way. Yeah. And again, it was only because of a like I I have complete credit to give for whatever Tumblr post I saw about 
the characterizations of Stephen Bucky to thank for coming up with this deconstruction thing because it was like, hey, I love how in fic, you know, um, Bucky is the reckless one and Steve is the one that's like, you shouldn't be doing that when literally the first time that we meet them, Bucky is pulling Steve off of some random guys who are twice his size and then says, let's go to a science convention. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that it's always important to kind of, yeah, reassess. And I think our Gwen one was, yeah, quite interesting because we were like, he's actually nothing like yeah. he is in fic half the time. So, yeah. All right. So this has been it for Talkbacks. Let us give you a quick reminder where everywhere you can leave feedback for us. Rox, do you want to do the honors? Yeah, sure. So if you would like to be featured in a talk back, as in we will discuss your comment on the podcast like we just have with those, then you need to go ahead and leave your comment on our website, which is melissa.paracaproductions.com or just Google Melissa and you'll find it in the search results at the very top. If you either don't want us to discuss your comment on air or you're not just or just not bothered about it either way, you can leave a comment on any of the following platforms as it pleases you. You can leave one on Tumblr, so reblog the episode post and leave comment in the tags or send us an ask. You can tweet us at Merlisten and we'll reply to you on there. You can comment on archive of our own if you want to and we'll respond there. You can leave some comments in the dedicated episode reactions channel on our Discord and and the links to that will be on our Tumblr or just ask Momo or myself. You can leave us a comment on iTunes and give us a rating. That always helps us out because it's a really great platform to listen to pot, um I was going to say podfic, podcasts on, not podfic. Um, or you can send us an email. Relisten.podcast at gmail.com. Amazing. So... Again, just to reiterate, guys, if you'd like to be featured on the podcast with your comment, then please leave comments on the website. And if not, leave comments anywhere else. Yes. So some of you guys send us messages through Tumblr and Discord. And thank you for that. We're just going to go through them one by one. Okay. Our first question comes from Lau. And Laos asked, I know a lot of people are still desperately wanting a Merlin season 6, but I really don't understand it. How should this look like? Especially with the cast being dead, except for Merlin and Arthur being the only one to rise again. What are your thoughts on this topic? If you ask people how they imagine it, they can't really answer the question. Can you imagine a season 6 or do you also think the series is fine the way it ended? Okay, should I quickly answer? Yeah, go for it, go for it. Okay, so... I mean, if there were a season six, <sighs> there are several ways, in my opinion, that it could have been done. One of them uh, is, oh, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? Just one of them requires the rest of the show, or at least season five, having been written entirely different because... If you wanted to continue season six in canon, like in the canon era in the Middle Ages, then it couldn't have ended with Arthur's death. Obviously, you would have had to have a season six in which Arthur is alive and king and possibly magic is, you know, known that Merlin has magic. Or if you wanted to, like, really add it after season five, the way season five ended, you could have done it by 
um, having just uh, a season of Merlin coming to grips with the fact that he failed, basically, while also watching and how Camelot now enters because I know this is a this is one of the fan theories that um now the golden age of Camelot and Albion begins under Gwen's rule. So that's something you could have done with season six, just Gwen, like Camelot's prosperity, Gwen's own grief and her struggle with politics, with being the sole ruler, maybe marrying, a, having to marry again for the stability of the kingdom, and then also Merlin dealing with his grief and maybe coming back to Camelot, or deliberately not coming back to Camelot. This is uh, one way. Or the other way I could see it going, I suppose, is with a sort of, you know, reincarnation or author returns sort of storyline. I know that in in the show it says that um, Arthur will rise again and not any of the others. But I think in some of the Arthurian texts it says Arthur and his knights will rise again. So you could make a case for, you know, all the main characters or recurring minor characters could come back in a modern in a modern setting and them adjusting to that and also finding out that there is that there's something going on with with Britain or I don't know but then yeah you'd have to figure out what that is and that would possibly probably take more than one season to resolve unless you want to rush it just like they did season 5 which I wouldn't put past them yeah. <laughs> um, I'm kind of in a similar boat to you where I'm like, I can't really see a season six as they would have it, like, you know, um, with the ending of season five as it is. I could possibly see a film like where Arthur just returns. And yeah, like for me, I would like, you know, I've just talked about, oh, it's not all Martha. But like for me, because the ending of the show was heavily queer baity, <laughs> I I would have probably... Um, done a movie that would have been targeted towards an either an older audience or an audience that it would not be such a big deal to have like a relationship like between two guys and just have it just wrap that up like have him come back and it'd be just like a weird fish out of water like thor kind of thing you know um and like a memory return like basically just and arthur returns and his memory comes back thick but in a movie i think that'll be really really cute um in terms of like if season five had gone differently the ending of season five i would have probably done something to do with like merlin somehow being able to like heal arthur because of like some kind of magic he has like so for example merlin is a dragon lord and like excalibur is like made in in the dragon's breath and stuff so maybe something to do with like the magic there and the piece of of excalibur that like was like inside arthur like maybe he can kind of like enchant it because i have something to do with his dragon lord powers but i mean i don't know what kind of law they would like do for that the problem is sorry for interrupting here but the problem is that once they got to fighting a battle at kamlan there was no other way it could have ended because that's not i mean i know the the show has been inter- interpreting the legends loosely well that's a very big plot point to change so i don't think that even if they had dared to change many things, 
I don't think this is something they would have changed. The 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 death of Arthur, basically. <laughs> so it, it it's the last two the last two episodes of season five would have had to be something entirely different. It couldn't have been the battle at Kamlan. I don't know. I feel like there are many like for example for me like the like the the Lancelot and Guinevere betrayal is just a bigger part of the legend as the Battle of Camel and like Arthur's death and they don't do that in the show either. So I feel like if it was one of those things where they subverted it so that he literally like I mean they sort of do the the betrayal on the show. They just don't do it the way it would have been done well. But they yeah, but exactly. they sort of did it. But like we're talking about like major plot points entirely changed. It's like you asking for a change as big as Arthur not marrying Gwen and instead eloping with Merlin. Like Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean obviously you're asking for that. But like that's that's what I'm saying. That's is this is too huge a plot point not to address at all. Like once you get to the point where you start addressing it, you can't just turn tail and not do it. But I think this is like why obviously the question is sort of like, you know, if you had your way and like maybe then it wouldn't be the Battle of Camelon. It would just be like a different battle. But I think that in the version of the show we have, yeah, he dies. And then I would just have like a movie to wrap things up. But if we could have our way and if we could change things, then yeah, if if he were to live, then he would just survive the Battle of Camelon. And then um, it for me, I would love to have seen actually um a situation where like maybe the final moments between them were written a bit differently um and i would actually like to see a situation where because the writers would have known that he wasn't really going to die maybe they he wasn't so quick to forgive and actually the first half of season 6 is him like like their relationship like really like falling apart big time and maybe even Merlin actually having to live outside of Camelot for a while or something like that and like him like living with the druids and actually learning about them as people and then the second half of season six like him coming back like once Arthur has forgiven him or like something like that and then actually working towards that kind of golden age uh that's all I wanted to see was the golden age of Camelot so um yeah, but in terms of what we actually got, I think a movie would have would work better, or a or a or a mini series. And again, I would have it be sort of like more in the vein of a romantic comedy or a comedy um, with like a really sweet ending where Arthur remembers his old life and stuff like that. So, yeah, I will say that honestly, if you are a person in fandom who reads fanfic, um. And Lao already knows this. I'm not telling you anything new, Lao. But um, like the cycle of the year, we begin again by Catherine from Philly. Is basically the season six you want because it is Arthur. It is a very long Arthur returns for a very good reason that actually threatens Albion uh, storyline that is done very realistically for how Arthur's return could look like and what Merlin has been doing in the centuries since Arthur died in his arms. And it even has a sequel now for which Lao did the art, so you definitely know about this story, Lao. (laughs) 
which could probably even count as a season seven. So I don't know why you're asking these questions and what people want, because if you can read, um, then you already have all you could want in re with regards to season six and more, truly. Maybe someday someone will actually potfig it. It won't be me, but maybe someone will do it. Alright, yeah, now on to our second question, which is from Master of Pretending. And to be fair, Master of Pretending's first question well, this was the same one as Laos, which is how do you envision a season six of Merlin? And I think we uh, answered this one to exhaustion by now. So uh, we'll move on right to uh, their second question, which was how the heck do you guys find time to do these episodes? They're always so detailed and thought out. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Ha, you put ha, you ha, put your ha, ha. <laughs> You put your finger right on it, honestly. Um the short answer is we make time. Because what else are we gonna do? It's just part of our routine now, I think. That's basically it. Yeah, I mean not gonna lie, people, honestly, this show takes up a lot of time. Like if we if we're gonna do splits, like a lot of time every week. So, um, just the recording takes upwards of three hours per episode now. Um, more if we have guests, and then the editing takes about time and a half. Uh, for each of us, like Rox now does the first pass editing where she goes through it listens to it cuts out bits and bobs that we don't need because we went off on a tangent for like 20 minutes or something else and um that takes i would assume the length of the episode like the length of the recording plus probably some more time rocks a tiny amount i i'm i'm pretty fast with editing so i can probably do it with like time plus 15 minutes maybe it depends how lazy i'm being but um i have ways of making it go faster so. okay well good for you good for you <laughs> and then i mean then i go through it another a second time um just to see um if there's anything left that maybe should leave the episode or if maybe something should go back in or and then i also add the music and the news and all of that and then i upload it and i have to make the post so it just that takes that also takes like the length of the episode plus let's say half an hour at least and then pre-production as well exactly we spend time researching stuff like honestly i mean this is going to sound this is going to sound silly but if we uh, do episodes on specific characters or pairings I will go and research what fics there are and then I will sit down and read fics for research and um, I mean reading fics is great and is fun but when I do it for Melissa it's well it counts as time but because I would not have read those fics for uh, in any other capacity and I'm not specifically reading them just for fun, I am reading them because I want to talk about them in my listen or, or recommend them. So that takes up time. All the research uh, we do for like creatures, uh, for episode reviews, or um, like 
with specific fic genre where we where we go and dig up information about specific genre what's uh you know what's um characteristic of this genre and all of these things it yeah it takes time it takes time so i would say um i'm trying to put a i'm trying to put a number on it like i tried figuring it out the other day but let's say you have an episode that's about uh two hours long that that you guys listen to it will take upwards of five to six hours to produce that more i'd say yeah i mean if we if we put together your editing time and my editing time then it's definitely closer to nine to ten hours probably plus all the stuff we do like just during the week like what i try and do because the thing is is it is like we have kind of got it down like to a machine now like even in the beginning it wasn't I didn't feel the strain too badly because um I didn't have the same work schedule that I do now but for example now um I I work six days a week so I spend my day off doing worse <laughs> which is which is fine but the thing that you know we the thing that we do also have to admit is that, you know, sometimes we do get ourselves into a groove where, you know, because I'm free or I, or I have nothing else to be doing with my Sunday, we'll just sit and record for a few Sundays in a row. And then, for example, in December, we didn't record once because we didn't need to, for example. And it's like... And also, deliberately, we scheduled all the recordings previous to that. So we wouldn't have to do any recordings in December just to give us some time off. But that meant, for example, in November a bit more time spent on recording and editing so we wouldn't have to do so much in in December and now I I checked my my uh my diary the other day uh to to see all the appointments we have for recording of Marlissa this month and like we're recording literally every Sunday this month so it's um and then yeah more time goes into figuring out um like looking for guests scheduling uh recording sessions with our guests prepping our guests like that's that's all time spent on a podcast and we we enjoy doing it but yeah, yeah it honestly it takes a lot of time and if we weren't committed to doing it this podcast would have fallen apart over a year ago honestly like especially because we set ourselves a grueling schedule of publishing two episodes per month or like an episode every two weeks which sometimes means three episodes a month depending on how the sundays fall but it's just yeah it's like i said the short answer is we make the time because the op- the, the alternative would be uh less merlison or no merlison and that's not acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we do love it. Like we love I like I love because you know at the end of the day I I don't write fic for this fandom anymore. I, I mean Momo is in a bit of a different situation to me because I don't have the opportunity to pod fic anymore. That is like if I did have my own place that's probably where I would put my efforts as well as vidding but I I don't write anymore. I don't do podfic like anymore. I don't really make gifs. Uh, I will start again soon, but I haven't been making gifs, and I can't vid right now either, either because of time constraints or my laptop is slow or my hard drive is fucked. So I actually love making the time for this because I actually feel like I'm contributing to the fandom, which we are obviously. But it's like I actually feel like I'm doing something, not just lurking, which makes me feel really good. So that's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
I feel like you're that that that's good from you is sort of like I don't feel the same way. No, I mean I I don't necessarily feel the same way because I've contributed to this fandom in other ways. Um but yeah, no, it's it's nice to know that, you know, this this podcast gives you a sense of purpose in this fandom, which is nice. I like I like having a sense of purpose when I'm in a fandom. So I, I totally get where you're where you're coming from i mean especially since i haven't been able to do much vidding like if i was vidding regularly like maybe I, like i mean i would still love the podcast don't get me wrong like, i think though i just love podcasts like i think that we've really found our niche like in this fandom for discourse because i think that i love talking to no no because i love talking to people about like nitty gritty stuff but like I don't always feel like typing a thousand words of meta you know so it's like I really enjoy knowing that we've got something coming up or even something that I didn't know I would have an opinion on but then we get talking and I'm like oh that's really interesting like I would never be able to do that online because it's just it's not the same and podcasts are really really great way of doing it and I um have discovered since starting my listen a, a bunch of fandom podcasts that I love and it just it just get, gave me a new perspective on said fandoms and I just and I mean I just love audio content in general like myself and Momo love podfic and we both love audio books and I love podcasts as well so it just kind of was the perfect medium for me personally and I know that Momo also loves that kind of stuff too so yeah I'm and as far as I know we're still the only Merlin podcast available unless there's another one we don't know about. <laughs> the only the only one I heard of was one that stopped a long time ago. Like I feel like there was one while the show was still airing. Um but I haven't really because I did check whether there was one before we started my listen just to see if there was, you know, any sort of a looming rivalry about to happen um but i didn't i didn't find one so i'm assuming it's it's still us just us <laughs> out there bringing the bbc merlin podcast content i mean you know if there was ever a gap in the market it was <laughs> for a bbc merlin podcast and by the way guys i just would love a little bit of like you know I will, I'm, I'm not going to use the word validation, but I'd like a little bit of hugging, like metaphorical hugging for the fact that I came up with the name Merlissa because I love puns. So I was like, it needs to be Merlissa. And Momo was like, I prefer like this title. And then we put it to like a poll in this WhatsApp group that we're in and everyone went for Momo's choice. And so I was like, all right, I've been beaten. And then she kind of like messaged me the next day. She was like, all right, we're calling it Merlissa. And I was like, but the poll, she was like, I don't care about the poll. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> actually my... I think my suggestion was Magicast because it would have been Magic Podcast. But honestly, Merlissen is so much better. And I just, I needed some time to nurse my bruised ego <laughs> <laughs> that your idea was so much better than mine. Aww. And I also, I just, I just needed a couple of days <laughs> just to, to lick your wounds. To lick my wounds and then accept that, yes, actually, Merlissen is the better title. 
we should go with it. My only contribution to Merlison <laughs> was the name. That's not true. Well, the only other things I bring to Merlison is just tea and salt. Lay <laughs> it on the table. <laughs> hey, that's a nice ship you got there. Mind if I pour salt all over it? Oh my god, I think that answers your question, maybe. <laughs> We shouldn't have not done a Q and A. We're just going to be going all over the rails today. But oh well. Let's yeah. Let's let's try the next question because Master of Pretending had had a few more. The next question is, what's the most underappreciated Merthyr moment? Mine is when uh, this is a quote from them. Uh, mine is when Merlin thirsts after Arthur and Gwen looks at him like him really, and Merlin just shrugs. I believe this is in the Fisher King episode. Yeah, that is hilarious. I, I, me, Momo, I don't have one. Well, you don't have one that, like, you kind of like, but you don't see people mentioning ever? Like, because obviously they, they have a lot of, like, background moments. Yeah, that people no, make. I, I just, yeah, like, honestly, for me, it has, like, especially looking at Phantom, like, every moment that they're together on screen and even a lot of times when they're not together on screen it's a Mirtha moment and fandom has sort of latched on to all the Mirtha moments like this is this is just what it is like this is the Mirtha show so I feel like there are definitely moments though that are like I see a lot and then ones I don't ever see mentioned yeah. I, I don't know I, I suppose that's fair but it's just for me it's um I'm yeah, I I don't I don't have one where I'm like this is the like underappreciated or not um like people don't pay enough attention to this because people pay attention to like a lot of people don't pay attention to anything other than all the murder on the show. So but that's okay. You know, that's that's fine. I I don't I I don't need to have a most underappreciated Mirtha moment. <laughs> because I'm here. <laughs> yeah, because you and you have about 10. <laughs> no, uh, so oh, I should have given a disclaimer, guys. I actually haven't really read through these questions beforehand. Like I wanted it to be an actual kind of Q&A, not like a, you know, well-researched thesis. So um, I'm just kind of going to go off the cuff. Uh, and I, I feel like... A couple that I don't see talked about like a lot. Um, I really love the moment between them when uh, in Beauty and the Beast Part Two, um, they're all discussing the poison. Like and he and like Arthur doesn't know that it's a poison at first. He just thinks it's like a sleeping draft. And then when he finds out, like um, Gaius says, you know, uh, he'll have half an hour to get it to you. And then. Arthur kind of has a moment where he's just kind of like, and then he turns to Merlin and he just goes, don't be late. And it's like, I just love that moment because for me, it's like they, they have a lot of these like epic, like, you know, looks of destiny, which I do appreciate, but I think there's something really lovely about the fact that already like in season two, you know, he's been told he's about to be given something that will kill him if Merlin doesn't get there on time. And, he's just like don't be late like he knows he's not going to but it's just i 
I just always love that that moment. And that actually just that whole scene between them, I I feel like I don't see talked about enough on Tumblr how hilarious that scene is with Merlin just literally like uh quote unquote cleaning up in the background and just like shoving things behind. <laughs> like just like throwing armor behind a tapestry and like throwing a jacket somewhere. He's like Okay, I can kind of see why Arthur gets pissed off with you. Um, another one that I really like. I'm just trying to think of the like is I'm underappreciated. I mean, one of my uh favorite shots, like Mirtha, like shots in the whole show, which it's not that I don't see it talked about, but I feel like people don't actually really understand like how gay it actually is. Like, it's like, I see it talked about, but not at, like, not that much. And it's the one in His Father's Son where, like, and it, and it's the composition of the shot. So basically, you have the knights and they're ruffling Merlin's hair, and it's all, it's all very, very sweet. And then it cuts to Arthur looking longingly at the group. And then it doesn't cut back to the group, it cuts back to a close up of Merlin. And then it's, cuts back to Arthur I believe then Merlin looking up and then Arthur looking away and I remember that I have seen that episode with multiple people who don't really know anything about the show or if they do they're not really in the fandom and they don't really care and they were saying to me like okay look I completely understand like you know shipping and all this kind of thing but that right there that is like a rom-com that is not okay (laughs) and I was like I completely agree and I use that shot in almost every single one of my Mirtha videos because I'm just like, yeah, that is, that I feel people don't talk about enough. And, okay, also I will say, Arthur dragging Merlin away in The Witchfinder, like, while, like, and I do see that scene talked about a, a fair amount, but it's, like, such a quick thing that happens. It's not really, like, a scene between them. Like, it's just a moment. Like, that's what we're talking about here. And, yeah, just how he's got his eye on Merlin, like, the entire time. And then he just, like, as soon as Merlin, like, walks towards Iridian he's just up and like dragging him out so he doesn't get into trouble yeah I I could like there are a lot of background moments that I love but like though yeah those ones I feel like you guys should talk about them more (laughs) go for it um what have we got for the next question the next question is most painful Merlin scene excluding anything from the last episode I mean I've talked about mine at length in the past I believe, or at least I'm sure I mentioned them before, but the first one that popped straight into my head was the knights all teasing Merlin by pretending they didn't leave him any food. And I know that everyone thinks that this is super funny and just their attempt at, you know, showing Merlin that he's one of the boys and that he's included. But um, yeah, I just I just have issues with this and I hate seeing it. And the second one would be Merlin treating Arthur without his, like, uh, in Sword in the Stone when Arthur doesn't have his own will. And Merlin is just treating him like shit because now he has the power and he can. So, those are mine. (laughs) Yeah, I've been, I I don't know. There's so many really painful moments. I think this is probably not what um master pretending had in mind when they asked this question but that's my answer anyway. i don't know i feel like that 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 could definitely work i mean even if you're talking about it from the point of view of like you know merlin abusing his power like you know but no but even from the point of view like in those scenes like you have a scene between them where 
you know, Merlin is basically pouring his heart out and telling Arthur what he's never told him before, that he feels like he's treated like a slave, basically. And Arthur is so earnest. And then in the next moment, he's being an arsehole again. So even that, like even that dynamic. Yeah, it's it, it it's painful because, you know, he doesn't remember. And like that, like even that, for example, yeah, is like quite, quite hard to watch. So the whole thing. Yeah, it's not it's uh, it's uh, it's not nice. Moments that brought me the most pain, I think. I've talked about the scene again at length, but it's Merlin's scene with Gilly where he talks about how he really feels uh, having magic while being at Camelot and when he reveals it. Because I feel like uh, that was... Yeah, I think that was actually the first time Merlin ever revealed his magic to anyone was, was to Gilly. He never actually willingly revealed his magic to anybody else up until that point. They all just kind of found out. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think is just really poignant in general. And then the fact that he's doing it to protect him because he remembers what it was like to be that young and that angry. And I think that that was the moment when I actually realized, oh, these writers kind of know what they're doing, kind of, because I was like, <laughs> Don't give them too much credit now. <laughs> I know. Um, because it was like, that it was such a gradual progression and to see him standing there and saying you know you need to use your magic for good not for your own purposes and I know that it feels like this is all that you're gonna ever be but it's not like that and then just how tired he looks I was like oh my god again I can't wait until we get to review this episode because it it, it brings me pain but it's really a beautiful episode and definitely un- like if we're talking about underappreciated episodes the sorceress shadow is like at the top of that list um then I also really really find it hard to watch the scene when Merlin is stuck in the cave and he lets out that scream, like when he's lost his magic, that always like, oh, and that's promo as well. And I'm just like, oh, God, <laughs> it's really horrible. Um, and probably one that just it's not like, you know, compared to everything that happens in the finale, it's really not that painful but if we're not allowed to talk about the finale but i really still find it hard to watch merlin sitting on his bed with that horse dung on his face just saying i'm not an idiot i'm not an idiot you know yeah. and oh, god yeah, that's true. um oh sorry i have left one out again this just like no, no no there's so many this is the thing i um it's the scene in Oh, I think it's the witch's quickening when uh, Arthur says to Merlin, um, next time, uh, stick to what you do best. And then he goes, nothing, like really loudly. That's really painful. <laughs> That's really, really painful to watch. And I'm just like, Arthur, please <laughs> just stop. Um, yeah. And obviously, you know, I feel like it's a given to say any time that Merlin gets close to revealing his magic and then something bad happens and then Arthur swears his hatred for magic for all time. <laughs> That's, those moments are also pretty painful. Uh, yeah, I hope that satisfied your angst quota. Um, <laughs> what's the... Oh, and, and, and then we have a PS. Thank you for all the wonderful work you guys put into this. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> All right. Our next questioner is go to Helvetica, which is such a great username. Once again, I love how punny a lot of you guys' usernames are, or how great they just are in general. So go to Helvetica is actually uh, very funny. I love it. Um, they said. I'm not caught up on all the episodes, so you may have already addressed this. Like, episodes of Melissa and I assume. So you may have already addressed this, but would you ever analyze the soundtrack of the series? Some of the music, they legit bring me to tears within two notes. I'd be interested in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, we don't have one planned yet, uh, but if, like, if we have guests who'd want to join us for this, we could probably make room somewhere for it in the schedule like yeah i mean i have started a list of episodes that people are that people requested that aren't on the schedule yet so we'll uh, this is definitely on it now and we'll see what we can do yeah bear in mind we have a five-year plan so if you don't see it pop up anytime soon it's not that we've ignored it it's that yeah it's just that it's gonna gonna take us a while to get to it <laughs> But we, we will keep it in mind, for sure. I would personally love to do one. I, I think that the... Yeah, we don't... I would actually have to sit down and like listen to it like consciously. Like I, I recognize it when I hear it, obviously, but I just... I don't really consciously listen to it. Oh, I have like... Um, I don't know all the tracks, but I have like a playlist on Spotify of like just instrumental stuff so i have like yeah so i have a lot of the um the merlin soundtrack stuff in there but um i i specifically listen to uh the season oh, i think it's season four uh track called the bond of sacrifice which was played over a lot of the mirtha scenes in the latter seasons and just like even if you don't think of it as mirtha but just this it's so it's so sad and it just makes me think of like all the bad things that are coming. <laughs> I'm just like, no. But the soundtrack is gorgeous and actually very, very under-discussed in the fandom. So maybe maybe we should do it. We'll see. <laughs> like I said, it's, it's on the list of requested episodes. We'll just have to figure out when to do it. And also it would be cool to have guests for it who actually know music stuff <laughs> all right they also had a comment for us which was damn i'm rapidly becoming obsessed with your podcast so yeah thanks <laughs> we're happy you're we're very happy it. to hear it <laughs> yeah i feel like this podcast is a good obsession to have <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna disagree with that you know so i'm obsessed with this podcast so <laughs> okay they had more questions one of them was do you have a character study episode for Kilgara planned? Yes, we do. It's scheduled for the end of the year. Like, it's... I don't know exactly when, but it's somewhere towards the end of 2019 that we're gonna talk about the overgrown basement lizard. Yes. Would you ever discuss costumes, style choices, such as Merlin's scarf mimicking the traditional beard, the loss of Arthur's red thriller jacket, Merlin's bracelet mysteriously disappearing during Lady of the Lake, how maybe he gave it to Freya, or the appearances of the jawbone necklace Bradley found in a cave, maybe how their designs reflect their character, historical accuracy, etc. 
And yes, we have an episode planned about costumes, but it's not gonna be for a while yet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, like we said, uh, there is a there is a plan, there's a schedule, and costumes actually is is somewhere on there, but not not this year. I maybe next year, maybe the year after. I don't know exactly, but it's um it's on there somewhere. I promise. I'm sending you guys so many asks. Anyway, I just wanted to point out the excessive use of poison on the show, probably due to the limit on how much blood they could show. I just find that somewhat entertaining. It's also funny how whenever someone gets stabbed, there's never any blood on the blade. There is in BBC Atlantis, so maybe they were able to change the requirements. I'd, my only comment to that is make it a drinking game, take a shot anytime someone uses poison to kill someone else. Oh my god, <laughs> that would be hilarious. I wonder though, yeah, because they, I know that they joked about having like a blood quota and like stuff like that, especially like during the beginning of the end commentary when there's a little bit of blood on Mordred because he has like a wound. And yeah, there's no blood on the swords, <laughs> which I find, <laughs> but it's weird because like, you know, I kind of, I don't know if any of our discussions about this have ever actually made the cut for any of Melissa, but like, I find certain kinds of violence very very triggering so i actually have a very limited well i use the word limited but not really because i literally have thousands of movies at my disposal if not millions so it's not like i'm limited but i do have to if films and tv shows are of a certain certificate i go and check the parental guidance to look at what the violence and gore quota is because i can deal with like violent themes and like there's obviously violence on Merlin but I can't deal with it if it's overly explicit or if there's uh explicit scenes of torture and there's like a bunch of stuff that like you know it's kind of like there's a bunch of stuff I can deal with and there's just a bunch of stuff I can't deal with but I really appreciate that I can watch Merlin with no problems whatsoever like the closest i've ever gotten to feeling a bit uncomfortable and not even by any stretch of the imagination that i would have to turn the channel over or anything but it's those snakes the um what uh the things that go in your neck the femora yeah like when when they're being like inserted and like hearing hearing gwen being tortured like that's what i'm saying like i don't necessarily have to like see violent stuff like hearing gwen being tortured was actually kind of a bit like oh uh would rather not hear that but i didn't like like i can watch it like i can deal with it but the reason why i really like the fact that merlin is kind of more on the family side even when it got a bit darker in season five and stuff is that i can actually sit through it but um yeah there are certain things where but i think this is what i've always been saying is like you know we can we still feel the emotional impact when a character dies even though there's no explicit violent blood or guts or whatever. Like, I don't think I would feel Arthur's death anymore if if there was, like, blood and guts everywhere at all. Like, so why do we need... And this is a whole, like, you know, this is a completely different discussion in a way. But, yeah, I think it's quite nice for me that there is no blood and gore and everything in Merlin. I really like that, so... Then... We got a question from if all the year we are playing holidays. Who was on the show? Hi. Hello. <laughs> they asked, is there any point in the show other than when he did it that you think Merlin could have told Arthur about his magic and Arthur would have accepted it? What's the earliest you think he could have? 
I'm gonna take this over, give this over to Rox first. I think that the earliest. Okay, right. I no 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 no. Hang on, because if Morgos had not ended up screwing Arthur over, and if he'd had a positive, like if if he had, because I don't believe that that was the real grain, like is what I'm saying. So if he'd actually met his real mother in that moment and had a positive experience from that, I think Merlin could have told him there in sins of the father. I really really do. Okay. Yeah. Well, what else do you want me like? You know, it's a simple <laughs> no, question. No, it's just yeah. Like if okay, but that given that this is not how it went, where else? Well, okay, but then I, but I wonder if like Merlin had told him in that like because they're standing there and they're having a conversation. He says, "Surely not everyone who practices magic can be evil," and. Obviously, then we immediately got the more ghost scene. But if like he's in that mindset in that moment, so he must have been in that mindset, like leading up to that moment. So I'm thinking if Merlin had told him somewhere on the journey, like maybe while they were at the campfire or something like that, I think like it might be pushing it a bit. But I think sins of the father, he could have gotten away with it if he'd chosen the right moment and if he'd approached it in the right way. Okay. I'm thinking, um, like, my mind went to season five, the episode with uh, Desir, when uh, when Mordred gets wounded and Arthur has to make the choice about legalizing magic or not, and then um, Merlin basically tells him he shouldn't do it because he thinks that's going to kill Mordred. That would have been a good moment for Merlin to do it. it. But you think that's the earliest he could have done it? Mm. I think because I think even like the Wicked Day, Arthur is way more open to accepting magic than he is in the Desire. I think that it really needed them to have years of friendship and loyalty between them for Arthur to to accept Merlin's magic. Because even, I mean, we see how it did go down at the end of season five, where if Arthur had been in fighting shape, he probably would have either left Merlin somewhere, like he would have left um, Merlin and just um, banished him or something, or he would have maybe run him through like authors we, we've discussed author's reaction before and i just like if you look at that and how much history there is between them and author still reacts like that then um i mean hindsight obviously is 2020 but um it's it's difficult to know whether another moment an earlier moment would have yielded a better result like if merlin had done it before Uther was killed with magic, before more and more bad things happened because of magic being misused. Like if Arthur, if that had been a better moment because Arthur wouldn't have been so jaded yet, Arthur would have still been kind of, you know, 
naive and idealistic and then Merlin would have had a chance there rather than years later when Arthur had seen more and more things go wrong in the name of magic you know um, it's hard to tell because you needed a level of trust between them and you needed to separate Arthur from the I uh, from the ideals of his father that were imposed on him but also established a certain level of trust and and uh, naivety for Arthur to believe that magic can be good, you know. Well, that was going to be my point, was that, like, you know, I I don't know how much of Arthur's reaction in Diamond of the Day is oh my god, Merlin has... I mean, like, I think his immediate reaction, which was the fear, is genuinely, oh, Merlin has magic. But later on, all he's talking about is not, you have magic, therefore you're evil. It's, you lied to me. So I think that that's why he had such a negative reaction, which is, I think, kind of what we all expected by that point, because by that point, he'd been open to magic several times. Imagine if Arthur hadn't been so weak and wounded, what would the fear, like the initial fear that he experienced, what would it have led to if he had been in perfect shape? Yeah, I think that had he been able to, yeah, like you said, sit up, stand, wield a sword. No, I, 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 I genuinely don't believe he would have ever physically harmed Merlin in that moment because even when he's lying there, like I don't see anger on his face, like at all. I think he would have done a similar, like yeah, he, he probably would have gotten up, le- or yeah, just gotten up and left, or asked Merlin to go. I just. I actually think he would have probably done a similar thing. I think he would have just been paralyzed. Like, I don't think he would have known what to do. But I can't ever imagine him wanting to hurt him in that moment, no. Um, I just think he, he he feels betrayed. I don't think he feels disgusted or anything. I just think he feels extremely betrayed, um, which I think actually, like, you know, I think I was being very optimistic with Sins of the Father, but I, like I said, I do think it could have worked. But re- But realistically, I think if Merlin had told him, in the wicked day when Arthur is trying to save his father's life before, uh, before Uther dies, you know, we have that deleted scene between Arthur and Gwen where he's basically saying, maybe we should legalize magic. It's not that bad. And Gwen's the one who is like, Oh, well, I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not the person to ask. I don't want to get involved in this. Like, this is your problem, you know? And, I, you know, he's basically telling the audience, if Merlin came to me now <laughs> and said he had magic, like, what could have possibly gone wrong? Like, Merlin doesn't know that because he's terrified of losing Arthur. But maybe I think, like, by the wicked day, I, I, I don't think there's much more that Arthur needed to get into that headspace of, like, he was basically ready, but then Morgana ruined everything. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. If the wicked day had gone well... I mean, Uther would still be alive if the Wicked Day had gone well, but Uther still probably wouldn't be in a better um, frame of mind. Uther, Uther wouldn't have been sane. He just would be alive. So Arthur, and, and Arthur would have seen that magic had been used for something good. So you know, that might have worked. The only thing I want to basically get to is that we agree that moment of truth would have been too early. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no Because way. I think that, that, I think there's a, there's a part of fandom where, like, well, I could have told him a moment of truth, and they're like, when? <laughs> Send these people to me, please, because I would like because, to no, hear their reason. moment of truth is much too early for Merlin to have told Arthur shit about it. Like, the only reason... Like, that's the irony, and we've discussed this in the episode review. The only reason Arthur didn't kill Will is because, A, Will saved his life, and B, Will died anyway. Never mind that it was, wasn't was actually Arthur's jurisdiction to have killed Will for magic. But that's beside the point. Arthur, honey, please. <laughs> this is... This is not actually your country. You don't have, like, that's the entire point why you shouldn't have come here in the first place. Arthur is, like, turned into Governor Radcliffe. He's like, and it's mine, mine, <laughs> mine. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> <laughs> and he needs Merlin to be like, you think you own whatever land okay, you want. But, but, who is the pug? Who's the pug in this situation? Yes. It's clearly Gwen. <laughs> Gwen doesn't exist in season one yet. Oh, <laughs> Who is Wiggins? Oh, so Merlin is clearly Wiggins in this situation, then. <laughs> Actually, isn't I he? I don't. I don't think Merlin is artistic enough to make shrubbery art the way Wiggins. He do it by magic, <laughs> and Merlin and Wiggins are similarly queer coded, so <laughs> it works out well. Queer coding is a good a good keyword though. That segues us into our next question, which we received from an anonymous uh, person on Tumblr. And their question is, I know it's a controversial topic, but do you think the show qualifies for queer baiting? So we actually have an episode planned on that exact topic, so we don't want to go too deeply into it. Um, however, this episode is not going to air for another couple of years, so we will go into it a little bit. There is a difference between queer coding and queer baiting. We talked about queer queer coding. And um, queer baiting is, and I'm quoting uh, Wikipedia here because I'm too lazy to put it into words myself. Uh, queer baiting is the practice of hinting at, but then not actually depicting a same-sex romantic relationship between characters in a work of fiction, mainly in film or television. The potential romance may be ignored, explicitly rejected, or made fun of. But there are, I think, two schools of thought about this, that that is one definition of queer baiting. So, for example, you would see that a lot in, like, 50s sitcoms, for example, you know, like, where two people are clearly in a relationship, but they're, like, you know, roommates, you know, like that kind of thing. But then there is the school of thought that I think we're talking about, which is that, yeah, like, Merlin and Arthur are clearly not in a relationship, but the themes and the direction and the writing is so heavily queer coded that you could absolutely read into that and the only thing stopping it from being queer is that you're making it straight basically yeah there's also the the sort of queer baiting um in that happened in bbc's sherlock for example uh where like because i mean there are some people who actually believed that John and Sherlock were going to end up together in a romantic or sexual relationship. I was one of them. 
<laughs> I really thought they were going to do it in the end. I really did. <laughs> I I didn't. <laughs> I never thought they were going to make it canon. But that's the thing that this show played so heavily on on subtext and played so heavily with what they knew the audience would read into the interactions that you know they just they did this on purpose i believe that i believe that they did this on purpose so my answer for for specifically merlin would have been my short answer <laughs> uh would be that given how many people and i wrote this down so i'm just going to read this out given how many people actually thought merlin and arthur would get together at some point or at least share a kiss i think a good case can be made for queer baiting I don't know enough about the creators and producers and what they said in interviews about Merlin and Arthur's relationship to confirm whether they intentionally played up the homoeroticism or if it's only there because we're all attracted to these two guys and want to see them do naked stuff together. Because for it to be queer baiting, the show writers and or producers, directors, people in charge must intend to bait the queer community with the potential of representation only to switch on them and not give them what was supposedly promised by subtext. Um, yeah, I agree. But I think, well, my short answer is I don't think it was queer baiting when they started out. By season five, it was definitely queer baiting. But like I said, the the definition you're, you're using of queer baiting is that idea of like, oh, they are like, because I... Even though I like say, oh my god, I actually that they were going to kiss in the finale, and it did look like they were going to, but I never went into the finale with that mindset. For me, the the side of queer baiting that I'm talking about is that, like, if you had made this canon without showing any physical stuff, like if you'd have just said these two are in a romantic relationship, just like Arthur and Gwen are in a romantic relationship, it would have changed nothing about the show. Like, it would have changed nothing about the dynamic, and I think that is what i'm talking about and it's the same with a lot of like you know not to go too far into other fandoms but you know you have you know in harry potter fandom you've got albus and scorpius is a big one at the moment you know you've got Stephen bucky in the mcu fandom like very very romantically coded interactions which we don't ever expect because we know that these that this is not what's going to happen we know that but we also know that if it was a woman in one of these roles, it would have ended up being a romantic story. And the reason why I say that I think by season five it was queer baiting, but not in the beginning, is because even though I don't know what the show writers were thinking when they made season one, I highly doubt they were thinking about making it as gay as possible. They probably were just, yeah, I really don't believe that. Yeah. But by season five, like we literally have confirmation, like they're making jokes about it in the commentary. They know. They know what's going on. So I'm just like, by that point, yeah. Absolutely. But we're going to have an episode about this, so you know. We're going to leave it at that for the moment. Yeah, hope that answered your question in a very brief format anyway. <laughs> if not, wait a couple of years. <laughs> we'll talk more about it. <laughs> Our last question comes from Lisette. I hope I said that name correctly. On Twitter. And they asked, what do you think of Merlin and Lancelot's friendship? I like that he was one of the few people who supported Merlin. Well, I think that the writers wasted opportunities here. And I know it was because Santiago was busy filming other stuff, 
But guess what? Then you shouldn't have fucking cast him in such an important role! And I know we've said this before, I just want to repeat it. I think that's one of the main problems with Lancelot as a character, honestly. He's almost never around, and yet we're supposed to believe that he has such a big impact on Merlin and Gwen. But that's a different issue. Um, his at Merlin's initial bonding was believable. Uh, because, you know, he saved Merlin's life, and then... Uh, Merlin nursed him back to health, and they had like uh, a good bond in that first episode in in season one. Um, but then he gets exiled, like all of Merlin's boyfriends, basically except for Arthur. <laughs> and we don't see him again until season two. And then in season two, he and Merlin barely even have any interaction. And the only interaction they have is like Lancelot being super emo at Merlin about losing Gwen or not being good enough for Gwen. And then uh. Yeah, he's he's self-sacrificing and leaves again, and that's that's all the interaction they have. And then at the end of season three, he comes back with a new boyfriend for Arthur, and yeah, Lancelot and Merlin get up two things together that only Lancelot can help with because he knows Merlin's secret. But like that's the thing, Lancelot's role on this show was reduced to guy who's in love with Gwen. And Guy, who knows Merlin's secret, TM. And therefore, he gets to help Merlin do magic things to save Camelot. Because he's the the only person, apart from Gaius, who knows. And that's, that's his entire part in Merlin's life. So, yeah. Sorry for sort of shitting all over this. Because I'm assuming that you actually like the... Uh, friendship between Merlin and Lancelot. <laughs> uh, but I'm not really a fan of their dynamic because I think the writers shortchanged every single person who likes Lancelot by casting Santiago. Like, Santiago sure is pretty and he's a good actor, but he was not the right choice for this role if they had to end up not writing him into any episodes because of his filming schedule for other projects. Like, unless the writers... I mean, this is the... The, the age-old question, uh, what was first egg or chicken? And in this case, what was first their decision to make Lancelot such a minor background character or to cast Santiago Cabrera? That's my that's my opinion. I'll take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay any attention to Momo. She doesn't like Lancelot. There's no point asking her any questions to do with it. <laughs> I don't like what the writers did to Lancelot. I wish I could like Lancelot, but the writers just wrote him badly, I think. Oh, I know. And it didn't give him, like, that, that's what one of the things you've said yourself. They should have made him a bigger role because he's Lancelot, for fuck's sake. Just, yeah. He, he had, what did we say? We had four episodes or maybe five that he showed up in, and then he dies? It's just... It's pointless. It's so pointless. And they they betrayed every single person who ever liked the character in any incarnation. And they betrayed all the characters who were supposed to care about Lancelot because of how little screen time and interaction he has. It all just feels too rushed and too unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, now I'm really done. Now you can go and be happy about it. <laughs> No, no, it's fine. Like, honestly, don't worry about it. Um, I really like their friendship, but um, so I was really into it from like season one to three. But then obviously, like in season four, they had 
a very brief uh, moments together, and then he obviously wasn't around and and stuff. But I love um, their friendship in the earlier seasons, and especially in season three when he comes back and they have that scene together um, uh, where we have the whole round table stuff happening. And, you know, it's just lovely because Merlin is like, you're a knight at last. And, you know, we know how much that means for Merlin, for Lancelot to have been knighted. And then Lancelot, you know, knows Merlin's secret. And I just feel like whenever they're together, Merlin feels like he's 10 pounds lighter. Like I can see it on his face, like because he doesn't have anything to hide. And it's really, really lovely. And I love how carefree he is around him for that reason um and obviously you know the the fact that not only does Lancelot know about Merlin's magic but because he knows about Merlin's magic he knows how much Merlin is sacrificing because of that secret and so that line where he says you know you're the bravest of us all and he doesn't even know it's really you know it's it's really painful looking back on all of it but I really appreciate the fact that at least there was one character in Merlin, however cameo-ish, that actually got to do it, you know? Uh, and, yeah, I really, really like their friendship. I used to ship them romantically, actually. I don't as much anymore, um, but I I used to uh, I used to ship them quite a bit, and I always used to think that, like, Merlin, uh, Lancelot was, like, Merlin's, like, first love. <laughs> that was my, like, big thing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been, it would have been nice. It would have been nice to see more of that. But I think like, like we said in many episodes before, I think the tragedy of Merlin relies on the fact that he is alone. He is isolated and he has no one to relate to. Otherwise it doesn't work. So, uh, that's a very depressing question to end on. I don't know why I always make it that way. why am i like this (laughs) why but yeah that's the end of the q a yeah so we hope that you guys found any of this remotely interesting or informative uh we kind of went off the rails a couple of times but that always seems to happen to us these days so that's completely fine we hope that you found this entertaining informative interesting all of the above hopefully anything but boring (laughs) that would be the hope (laughs) And in our next episode, we are going to be doing another episode review for you, which is going to be about La Morte d'Arthur, which I can only speak for myself. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about because I think there's a lot to sink our teeth into. And I cannot believe we're at the end of season one already. So, yeah, that's coming for you next time. Yeah, that's definitely going to be interesting. Credit where credit is due, our... Merlison theme song or theme tune was composed by Sidesteppings exclusively for Merlison. Thank you for that. Our news jingle was composed by a user called Manzardian and we got it on freesound.org. And also because you guys have hinted at the fact that we should plug ourselves a little bit more. Let me just say I'm Momotastic on almost all platforms. I write fanfic and you can find me on AO3 as Momotastic for my fanfic. And I also record podfic and you can find me also on AO3 as Momopods for my podfic. I have a cosplay Instagram account, which is Miss Snowfox Cosplays. 
And I'm on AO3 as Miss Snowfox on YouTube as Magical Unicorn 22. All right, guys. Until next time, I have been Momotastic. And I've been Miss Snowfox. Bye.